0: Welcome to A.T. Stewart and Sons Ministries. I'm your host, A.T. Stewart. I'm glad you've chosen to join us today as we look into the Word of God. So take your Bibles and let's hang out in God's Word for a few moments and see what God would say to us today. All right, take your Bibles, turn to Jude. We are in verse 17 today. We are talking about, again, the danger of false teachers, and in particular, how to survive false teachers. Now, you may be saying, Preacher, I am tired of you talking about false teachers. You've been doing it the last six weeks. Well, I'm doing it because God does it over and over and over again. It is no trivial matter, the subject of false teachers among God's people. Moses warned 3,400 years ago about the danger of false teachers when he said in Deuteronomy 18, But the prophet who speaks a word presumptuously in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or which he speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. And I think God takes it pretty seriously, don't you? God warned through the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 5. The prophets prophesy falsely. The priests rule on their own authority, and my people love it so. Now here we see why false teachers are so dangerous. Because people love them. People don't want to hear the truth. They want to hear lies. They want to hear things that make them feel good. They want feel good messages. They want to come out feeling cheery and all warm and fuzzy outside. So they want false prophets. Isaiah warned against false prophets in Isaiah chapter 30, who says to the seers, You must not see visions. And to the prophets, you must not prophesy to us what is right. Speak to us pleasant words. Prophesy illusions. Get out of the way. Turn aside from the path. Let us hear no more about the Holy One of Israel. That's God's people saying that. Give us pleasant words. Give us words that make us feel good. Don't talk to us about the Holy One of Israel, because if you talk about holiness, then we've got to look at our sins, and we don't want to do that. Ezekiel warned against false prophets. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Woe, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding themselves, should not the shepherds feed the flock. Jesus himself warned against false prophets several times. Matthew 24, for false Christ and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders, so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. The Apostle Paul warned against false prophets. The last words that he spoke to the elders of the church at Ephesus before he was heading on his way to be arrested and eventually executed, he warns them about false prophets. He says in Acts 20, I know that after my departure savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own cells men will arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after them. Those who will claim to be Christians who will come from the church will be these false prophets. And then Peter warned against false prophets in Second Peter 2. But false prophets will also arise, arose among the people just as they will also be false teachers among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the Master who brought, bought them bringing swift destruction upon themselves. And then John warns against false prophets in 2 John 7. For many deceivers have gone out into the world. Those who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ is coming in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. And then Jude warns us, as we have been looking in Jude chapter 1, He says, I wanted to write to you to talk to you about our common salvation in verse 3. But he says, I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which has been once and for all handed down to the saints. For certain persons have crept in unnoticed. Those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly persons who turned the grace of God into licentiousness and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. All of the apostles in the New Testament warned against false prophets, false teachers. The prophets in the Old Testament warned God's people against false teachers and false prophets. Our Lord Jesus Himself warned us against false teachers and false prophets. I think we need to take heed, don't you? And we need to spend plenty of time looking at this. Well, it's not until our passage today in verse 17 of Jude that Jude now tells us how to stand against these false prophets. He has spent 16 verses describing the false prophets and talking about the judgment that awaits them. And now in verse 17, he finally begins to tell us what we need to do to stand Against them. And there are four things he's going to tell us in the rest of the verses of this chapter. We'll look at the first one today, which is remember. But he actually says, remember, remain, reach out, and rest. Remember the words of the apostles. Remain in God's love. Reach out to those in danger and rest in God's greatness. And the one today we're looking at is remember the words of the apostles. And in respect for God's Word, let me ask you to stand as I begin reading in verse 17. But you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. That they were saying to you in the last time there will be mockers following after their own ungodly lust. And these are the ones who cause divisions, worldly-minded, devoid of the Spirit. You may be seated. Now the main truth that I want you to see this morning is this. Because false teachers are a clear and present danger, we must test all teachers by the Word of God. Test me by the Word of God. Test your Sunday school teachers by the Word of God. Test those you listen to on the radio, those you listen to over the internet, those you listen to on the television. Because the danger is so ever-present and real, we must test all false teachers by God's Word. That's the truth. If you walk away with that truth today, you'll have it in a nutshell. You figure that out. All right. Now, You get that in your head, you have it in a nutshell. All right, first thing, right? Remember the words of the apostles. This is the first command in all of this book. Here we finally get a command. The New American Standard says, But you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles. Now, the English Standard Version shows the imperative mood more closely. When it says, but you must remember. This is a command. It's not a suggestion. We are to remember the words of the apostles. We are to bring them back to mind. Remember them. Now what words of the apostles is Jude talking about? What words of the apostles are we to remember? And I think there are three things he's talking about. First, we need to remember their teaching. Secondly, we need to remember their warning about false teachers. And thirdly, we need to remember the description of false teachers that they have given us. First, remember the teachings of the apostles. You see, the words of the apostles were their New Testament teachings. They didn't have the New Testament that we have today. The early church didn't have the 27 books that we have today known as the New Testament. What they did have is they had the teaching of the apostles. The teaching of the apostles was the word of God for them. And so when Jude says, remember the words of the apostles, he's talking about remembering their teaching. Now you remember before Jesus was crucified, he not only anticipated, but planned for the writing of the New Testament. He told His disciples in John 14, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in My name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Now Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would teach His disciples and those who are the apostles or the disciples of Jesus, minus Judas, Plus Paul. Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would teach them and bring them into truth and help them remember what Jesus said. You ever wonder how they remembered all these things that Jesus said to write down in the Gospels? The Holy Spirit brought it to their mind. And so what we see is Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit will enable you to remember and therefore what you remember, what He teaches you will have divine authority. It will be the Word of God. And again in John 16, we read, But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own initiative, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will disclose to you what is to come. So here we have again, Jesus saying the Holy Spirit would guide them into God's truth, and He would give divine authority To their teaching. And the church understood this. Because what we read in Acts chapter 2. About the early church. We read. And they were continually devoting themselves. To the apostles teaching. And to fellowship. And to the breaking of bread. And to prayer. They recognized. That the teaching of the apostles. Was God's word to them. And then. A couple hundred years later, the church had recognized these teachings and a council got together and said, we need to put together the books that are God's authoritative word. Now, which books are there that the church has accepted and recognized from early on as being the teachings of the apostles, as being the word of God? And they brought those together and we have our New Testament. And he's saying, remember the words of the apostles. When Jude says that, he's saying to you and I, we need to remember the words of Scripture. Because we do have the teaching of the apostles in the form of the New Testament. God's Word. And so, when we test teachers, we must test them by God's Word. Because nothing dispels a lie better than the truth. A lie is darkness. What dispels darkness better than light? You can be in a pitch black dark room. No light at all. I remember when I went to Mammoth Cave in Kentucky. And we got down in those caves and they cut all lights out. And you could not see your hand in front of your face. But just a second as the light came on, that darkness went away. Nothing dispels a lie like the truth. You and I must remember the truth of Scripture and put all teachers to the test of God's Word. Now, if we're going to do that, that means we need to know this Word. That means we need to spend time reading it. We need to spend time studying it. We need to spend time memorizing it because if you're going to put teachers to the test, that means you've got to know the Word of God yourself. And when Kenneth Copeland says, you are not... God is not in you. You are one. You go to Scripture and you say, wait, now the Bible says Christ in you, the hope of glory. It doesn't say I'm God. It says Christ is in me. When those teachers say that you are little gods. You're as much the Son of God as Jesus was. You go to Scripture and it says His only begotten, unique Son. Of God, You test it with the scriptures. When the Mormons say that are not, there's not one God but there are many gods and that you yourself can be a God and have your own planet like the God of earth you go to scriptures and you say no, no, no. The Bible says there is one God and one alone existing in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. When Jehovah Witnesses want to say that, that there are several gods and, and that it, Jehovah is the supreme God and Jesus is a lesser God. ah, oh, you go to Scripture. Jesus said, the Father and I are one. One essence. Test it with Scripture. In fact, Paul said, even if an angel comes to you and preaches to you a different gospel than what I have preached, let him be anathema, let him be cursed. Over in Galatians 1, but even if we are an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. And we have said before, so I say again, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. Now folks, that word accursed is anathema. You could not say anything worse about somebody. It is literally let them be under the curse of God. Let them be damned. Paul says, if even an angel. Visions. These false teachers talk about visions and angels coming to him. And angel told Joseph Smith where to find the golden tablets. And angel came to to Muhammad and gave him the Quran. If even an angel appears before you and gives you a different gospel, let him be accursed. Let anathema be upon him. That's how serious Paul was about the truth of God's Word and how we must use it to test all teachers. We must be like the church at Berea when Paul came and they searched the Scriptures to see if what Paul said was right. So we must first remember that teachings of the apostles the word of God use it to test secondly we must remember the warnings of the apostles in particular Jude says in verse 18 that they were saying to you in the last times there will be mockers following after their own lust Jude says remember you have been warned ahead of time to expect false teachers do not accept any teacher just because he says he's a true teacher and he says he's been taught from God. Just because a man has certain human credentials does not make him a true teacher. Just because he has a degree from a seminary, even a reputable seminary, doesn't mean he's a true teacher. Just because he has reverend in front of his name or has doctor in front of his ma- name doesn't mean he is a true teacher. Just because he is affiliated with the Southern Baptist Convention or affiliated with the Methodist Church or the Presbyterian Church, that doesn't mean he's a true teacher or a true prophet. You've got to test the Word of God. Just because he has a book in Lifeway Bookstore doesn't mean he's a true prophet, a true teacher. Now, I'd like to believe that that it wouldn't mean that, but it doesn't. I'd like to believe I could go into LifeWay Christian Bookstore and pick, any book I pick up, it could be a true teacher and prophet, but that's not the case. They do not weed out their books as they should. You've got to take it to the Scriptures and test it. You've been warned ahead of time. There are going to be false teachers, and there are going to be many false teachers, and therefore we must it. Gauge and judge all of them according to the word of God. So first, remember the teachings of the apostles. Second, remember the warnings of the apostles. Now thirdly, remember the description the apostles gave of the false teachers. Again, for the sixth time, for the sixth time in this small 25 verse book, God gives us again the description of false teachers. Hey guys... It's no excuse for us not recognizing them, right? First, he says they are mockers. You remember? Disbelieving God's Word. They are mockers. That means to trifle with. It means to poke fun at. False teachers will mock the Scriptures. They'll make fun of God's Word so that they can supplant it with their lies. Peter warned about this. In 2 Peter 3. Know this first of all. That in the last days mockers will come with their mocking. Following after their own lust. And saying where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep. All continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. They are making fun of God's word. God says He's going to come and judge sin. But where is he? He hasn't come back. He hasn't judged sin. Nowadays it's things like this. You don't believe a man could really be swallowed by a big fish and live, do you? You don't really believe the story about Jonah, do you? Don't you know that's just a story? That's just a myth? And you don't believe Jesus could really multiply food, take a few fish and a few loaves of bread and feed 25,000 people, do you? No, no, no. What happened was when that boy brought out his lunch... All the other people started feeling guilty, and so they started reaching down and bringing out their lunch, and they all just pooled it together and had a potluck lunch. You don't believe God could really divide the Red Sea, do you? No, no, no. It was just marsh. They just walked across in the marsh. Well, then you got a greater miracle because that means all the Pharaoh's soldiers drowned in a marsh. <laughs> <laughs> they make fun and mock the word of god and then thirdly he says they follow excuse me they follow after their own ungodly lust now this goes to their motivation and it can be shown in many different forms this following after their own lust it can be the greed and materialism we've talked about as People drive $100,000 cars, live in $2 million um, mansions, who fly private jets, you know, and you say, well, preacher, what's wrong with that? Now, I don't think it probably would be wrong if they were a CEO of a Fortune 500 company and their company was making and producing products that people were buying and therefore Their income was generated through offering uh, a product to people. But we're talking about people that say, give me your money. Or give God your money. Plant a seed faith offering. Give, give, give. They're living off of the gifts and, and the offerings that people think they're bringing to God. That's what's wrong with that. That's what's wrong with that picture. It's money that has come in, I think, under false pretense. But their love for money, their sensuality. I looked on a website, and you'd be surprised how many of the Word of Faith movement teachers have been divorced. Amazed. And that's interesting to me, because if God expects you to have a trouble-free life, then what about all their marriages? How come all the marriages fell apart? But selfishness. Pride. They want to be well-known. They want to be famous. They want to have their own television program. Rather than being driven by God's will, they are driven by their own ungodly desires. You've got to test them. Are they denying self, or are they fulfilling self and the self's desires? Rather than following after God's spirit, they are following after their own sinful desires. I told you they keep coming up like bad pennies. Jim Baker's back. I don't know if you knew that. I mean, it amazes me. These guys get in in, in trouble. They break the law. They go to prison. They get out, and they get back going again. I found Jim Baker on the, on the internet. You know, he was back in P, PTL days, ended up. Having to go to jail for violating uh, various laws well he's back and he's got his television show and and uh i was I was thinking okay now what's what's his gimmick what's he doing to, to raise money because you always look at these people and now I ask yourself are they asking for money? what gimmick are they using to bring in money now one reason I rarely preach about money is because I don't want to be accused of that now there's a time and place it needs to be preached on but I don't want that to be the emphasis. So he was talking about these electronic impulse bombs, these, these magno electronic Magno. If a bomb ex- is exploded over Missouri, how it would knock out all the uh, power grid, and we'd be thrown back into the dark ages, and blah, 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 blah. And he said, but you can purchase for a donation of $500. You can purchase... 300 meals in these doomsday rations that I'm offering. For a love offering of $1,000, you can get a year's supply. For a love offering of $3,000, you can get a year's supply for two people to eat. There it was right there. Got to raise that money. Preach doom and gloom and then offer something they can purchase that they think is going to bring them some relief following after their own ungodly lust. Secondly, causing divisions. They reject against proper authority. Now, Jude's already told us that they reject authority even as Korah, who you remember led a rebellion against Moses. When he and 250 of his followers went against Moses and Aaron and said, Hey, who said y'all are to be leaders? Why can't we all be the leaders? And you remember God divided up the earth and swallowed them. These false teachers also reject the proper spiritual authorities of the church. And they seek to divide the people against the leadership of the church. They claim to have higher spiritual life. Higher knowledge than the church leadership has. Many of these mock church leadership and claim that they have the key to prosperity. You need to follow them. We can lead you into prosperity. It amazes me. Why God would would go past John Calvin and Martin Luther and St. Augustine and some of these great men of Christian history. God would bypass them with this truth about prosperity and share it with these guys in the later days. Why would God do that? They rebel against authority when they reject the orthodox teaching of 2,000 years of church history. When the church for 2,000 years has seen this as truth, and then they come and say, ah, no, that's not right. When Joyce Meyer says that Jesus ceased to be the Son of God when He was on the cross and He said, into thy hands I commit my spirit. That's going against 2,000 years... Of the teachings of the church of Jesus Christ. They reject the authority of the church. Also worldly minded, Jude says. Now worldly minded, when it's used in this context, is the opposite of being spiritually minded. In other words, you, you have a human perspective rather than a spiritual perspective. False teachers claim to be spiritual, but in truth, they are operating on a purely human or satanic level. They claim to be doing things God's way, using spiritual principles, but actually they are doing things from a worldly, human perspective. They are only religious showmen. Now hear me out. They have simply taken the ways of the world and brought them over into their ways and claimed that they're spiritual. The world loves entertainment, so what do they do? They put on entertaining shows. You look at some of their programs, you think you in Las Vegas looking at a Las Vegas show. With the smoke and the lights and all this stuff and, and... the world loves entertainment, let's give them entertainment. world loves prosperity and they love materialism, so let's give them materialism and prosperity. Let's promise it to them. The world loves to feel good, so let's give them a feel-good experience. They do nothing but psychologically manipulate people through their style and ways of, of music and programming to seek to bring people to do what they want them to do. Back when I was in seminary some 40 years ago, the church growth movement was just coming on the scene. One of the books at the seminary I attended was a book on church growth written by Robert You Remember him? We talked about him earlier. Crystal Cathedral. Now, all he did And he even admitted this. But all he did is he took the Madison Avenue techniques for growing a business. And he brought those over into the church. Like, he says, have plenty of visible parking space. Because you want people to see cars there so they'll think something's going on. That's what businesses do. Malls, they want to see cars. You think something must be going on in there. I mean, you drive up to a restaurant to eat at 7 o'clock on Friday night and there's no cars there? What what, what do you think? And they're open? (laughs) Keep going. All right. Madison Avenue techniques. Have plenty of parking. Have very visible parking. Have very comfortable, lush surroundings. Never preach anything controversial. He used to say. Don't want to upset people because we want people to come together and feel good. False teachers take human techniques that work in the business world and they bring them over into their church and claim that it's spiritual. Let me tell you, my Bible says you sow the flesh, you reap to the flesh. My Bible said you cannot sow Fleshly seeds and expect to reap spiritual results. You cannot adopt the ways of the world. You may grow a large church, but whoever said God wanted a large church, I think He wants a holy church. I think He wants a people committed to walk after Him and obey Him. You can grow crowds, but what have you accomplished if you are not giving them the truth of God's Word? And the alarming thing is, in America is, many Christians don't know the difference between showmanship and the anointing of God's Spirit. If a man can get up and put on a show, if a man can get up and entertain, if a man has some charisma in his personality, thinks, oh man, he, he's filled with the Spirit. We got to be able to discern the difference. Between a $2,000 smile and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We've got to put them to the test of the Word of God, the blood of Christ, and God's established order. Jude even says, lastly, they are devoid of the Spirit. He's saying these false teachers are really not even saved because they don't have the Spirit of God. Paul says in Romans 8, If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. That's just that clear. And when Jude says they are devoid of the Spirit, he's saying they are not saved. They are not born again Christians. Oh, they claim to be. They claim to have spiritual teaching. They claim to be saved, but they are not. In reality, they are not even Christians and do not even have spiritual truth or life at all. So what is Jude telling us today? The first thing we need to do is remember. Remember The words of the apostles. Remember their teaching, the New Testament. Judge every teacher by the New Testament. Remember the warning that we're given over and over again that there are going to be false teachers, so we've got to look out. And remember the description. They disbelieve the Word of God. They indulge their fleshly desires, and they rebel against proper authority. Now, I just want to conclude briefly with this question. What if a Christian happens to be deceived by false teachers, what will happen? First, they will not lose their salvation. You remember Jude at the beginning of this book makes it very clear in verse 1. He says, Christians are those who are called, those who are beloved, and those who are kept. So you're not going to lose your salvation if you get duped by these false teachers. But what you will do is you will lose some of your rewards. Back in 2 John 7 and 8. For many deceivers have gone out into the world. Those who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves that you do not lose what you have accomplished but that you may receive a full reward. Now that tells me if you are duped by false teachers, you're going to lose some of your reward. Because you're going to be one that holds false doctrine, and therefore you're not going to live according to the truth of God. Therefore you're going to be unstable and carried away by every wind of doctrine. And therefore you'll not be as productive in your Christian life as God would have, and therefore you will lose some of your rewards. Thirdly, You'll not glorify God in your life because you'll be walking in error, not in truth. And what glorifies God is when His people walk in truth. You'll be walking in error. You'll be out there trying to claim prosperity, talking to your angels when you need to be talking to God. Fourthly, you'll not grow into Christ's likeness God's purpose for us is to mold us into the image of Christ. And if we're holding on to false teaching and false, truth, excuse me, false doctrines, then we're not going to be conformed to the image of Christ. We're not going to be living to deny self. We're going to be seeking to live to fulfill self. We're not going to try to take up our cross and follow Christ. We're going to do everything to stay away from a cross. We want to have a trouble-free life. And so you will not be conformed to the image of Christ. Therefore, we need to be on guard. Test all teachers by the Word of God. Let's pray. We do welcome you, and I'm glad that you have taken the opportunity to listen to a sermon on our internet. And I want you just to know that uh, everybody in the church is not like me. Uh, I have these fellows up here, our leadership team. Uh, this is Filiberto Medina, who is our Hispanic pastor. And our Hispanic congregation meets every Sunday evening at 6.30. This is Paul Kumar. He is our Minister of Community Connections. Uh, And to my left is Mark Baker, who heads up our Reformers Unanimous Ministry, which is a Christian addiction recovery program that meets every Friday night at 7 o'clock. So if you live in the Mableton area, uh, and it doesn't matter what, race you're from. It doesn't matter your cultural background. I want you to know you are welcome at Westside Church. This is where everybody is somebody and Jesus is Lord. Hope you'll join us soon. Thank you for being with us for this message. Each week, Dr. Stewart gives practical applications and ways to live out the Word of God. If you would like more information, please take a moment to view our website at wbcfamily.org That's wbcfamily.org dot org